This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. What a end of the week it was for the Houston Rockets, the 2021 NBA draft. The Rockets went in with three first-round picks, which is amazing considering they've had two total in the previous eight drafts, and they left with four first-round picks, uh, making the selection we all expected of Jalen Green, uh, making a trade to acquire Al- Alpert and Shangun, and adding Usman Garuba and Josh Christopher out of Arizona State. With me, as always, is David Weiner. You know him as Bima Thug on Twitter and on the Clutch Fans forums. Um, Houston lawyer knows really all the, the ins and outs about the, the salary cap, as I've mentioned before, but really is just a huge fan as well. That's a, the, the two come together beautifully in, in all of his writing. Uh, David, thanks for being here with me. Thank you for having me over at your draft party, which is always a, an awesome event every year. And uh, what a fun night that was. I can't tell you. Well, thank, thanks again, Dave. Uh, I can't tell you how great it was to, to have a draft party where there were actually draft picks for the Rockets. So it, it was terrific. It was a great night all around. Yeah, this definitely beats having like the 47th pick and, you know, trying to come up with 48 to 49 guys that you like in the draft and just hoping, you know, your your 32nd ranked guy slips. And this just smashed all of that. It was so much fun. You know, the Rockets have such a bright future and there are teams that just toil in the lottery and are there every year and they make bad picks. And, and you know, we can give our thoughts on these picks. I'm not saying the Rockets you know, 100% nailed every one of these picks. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, the Rockets have have really gotten on a great path really quickly. I mean, it was just, what, six, seven, eight months ago that the whole James Harden thing just turned the organization upside down and, um, you know, everybody's gone and, and the Rockets are in complete uh, turmoil and, and rebuilding from scratch with, with debt and yet here they are in the 2021 NBA draft like I said not even a year later and they've got four first round picks yeah it was great I mean and you know we've talked about it in prior podcast days but you know the the route that the Rockets front office chose to take with the Harden trade with which was basically we're going to prioritize future draft picks and pay short shrift to current player return. Although you could say that there were higher hopes for Victor Oladipo, but the fact that they did that is really what netted us the, the, the second pick of the draft. I, I think there's, there's almost no chance the Rockets finish poorly enough in the standings to have enough of a shot to win the lottery. 
uh, if they add a Ben Simmons or, uh, you know, even a Karis LeVert. <laughs> even. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, or a Jared Allen. Absolutely. Who probably would be walking in free agency this summer. Um, so, you know, when we're looking at the totality of the Harden trade, when we look back, you know, there's no Jalen Green without that specific Harden trade. Uh, the way it played out. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't want to give them obviously too much credit um, when they did get Oladipo. It looked like a team that they were, you know, they were at least trying to make the playoffs this year. So, uh, you know, in that sense, but they did go with expirings and, and were planning strictly for the future. So you got to give them a lot of credit for what they did. And, you know, we haven't seen the fruits directly of the James Harden trade, as you pointed out, but indirectly, uh, this is it. I mean, they've they now come, came away with the number two pick, Jalen Green. Um, you know, just an electric athlete, um, and that's a direct result of trading away Harden and and tanking, for lack of a better term, and and obviously getting some great fortune to not end up with the 18th pick and hand over that pick to OKC. Um, and Kevin Porter Jr., which was also an indirect result of the James Harden trade, uh, Torian Prince hey. goes to Cleveland and the locker room situation, and basically the Rockets get KPJ for nothing. Um, and now they have uh, a backcourt that is 21 years old and 19 years old, and you know time will tell what these two turn out to be, but there's enormous potential with both of these guys, and uh, you know it. For an organization that really didn't have any future prospects, uh, you know, and I, as I mentioned, draft pick debt as well, this is a great foundation and, and really just the start of the foundation because that was just one pick on the night, Jalen Green at the, at the number two spot. Right. And, and you know, but before we leave the hard trade, I will say it is unlikely that any of the picks they get in that trade are going to be as uh, as high or as high as the second pick or as good as Jalen Green, but the book won't be written on the Harden trade until probably a, a decade from now. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I found it interesting that uh, Rafael Stone at the press conference actually said they were thrilled, you know, that they, they ended up trading two first round picks to get the 16th pick of the draft, something we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, you, you and I both saw our live reactions to that. Um, and the, he basically was extremely happy that they did not trade any of those assets away uh, from what, what they got from the Brooklyn trade with, with for James Harden. So, Obviously, they place a high value on those picks. It won't be until down the line that we see the value. But if things do go south for Brooklyn, they're you know they're they're sitting pretty with that. So I think the totality of the James Harden trade is going to be the, the whole impact on the organization is going to be enormous, and I think it's going to be positive. Yeah. So so Dave, j- jumping into the to the actual picks. Um, how how pleased are you with Jalen Green at two over Evan Mobley? I'm fine. You know, I, I, we've talked about this before, and I think this this uh, they'll, I think they'll always be linked. These two players. I mean, we're we're going to talk about them for a while. We're, you know, Rocket fans are going to keep an eye on Evan Mobley. It's just the way it goes. And Jalen Suggs to maybe a lesser extent. Um, but I think I, I don't feel any regret. I mean, I think. You know, the entire time I want I, I liked the the model that Evan Mobley was over the model that Jalen Green was. Um, I think that having that kind of guy was 
like I mentioned before, impacted winning more. But again, just you you hear the way they talk about Jalen Green and some of the things that they say, his will to you know win, his work ethic, his drive, his uh, you know uh, Rafael. He did mention his defense being a problem, but he says. Guys with that kind of athleticism, it's just, uh, you know, will and, and desire, and he has it, um, that he'll get better. I mean, if he improves defensively, proves to be a, a very good shooter, which I think the jury's still out. I think he's a good shooter, but time will tell if he's, you know, 38, 40% type of three-point shooter. Um, I mean, he's going to be you're not going to regret taking him. I'll put it that way. I think he's going to be a star player in the league. He's certainly got that attitude at 19 years old. He's already dressing and acting the part. Um, but I think, uh, you know, and I wrote about this. I think he has that potential to be that kind of NBA magnet, the, the player that brings in the other players. And like I said, it's too early for that. He's 19 years old. He's going to have to prove a lot, but I think he has that kind of potential. Yeah, I mean, he's got superstar written all over him. You know, we'll see. Not, you know, not everyone has what it takes, but you know, the, I'm I'm getting a lot of good vibes from from Jalen Green. I think he I think he has the the will and the desire to back it up. And you know, if we're talking about you know a Bradley Beal or a you know a poor man's Kobe Bryant, even you know, I will gladly take that. You know, uh. I think we've talked so much about Jalen Green. I don't know if there's anything necessarily new. We finally get to hear him talk about the Rockets. This is his home. This is where he wants to be. We don't have to read any GQ articles where he says he wants to live in Detroit, which, you know, the the meaning of that was simply that he wanted to be the number one pick. Um, I love his confidence. I love the fact that he believes he's the very best player in this draft. Um, And like like we mentioned, I think he's – got that star potential i'm not giving them that crown right away but i think uh there's a lot of reason to be optimistic and i will tell you this i think he's gonna light up the vegas summer league i think he i one thing i mentioned about drafting mobley because i you know i did want to draft mobley is i felt if you draft mobley it's a long play you know you're going to go into the vegas summer league and you're going to watch Jalen green and say what in the world were we thinking because he's going to light it up he's going to have four five six highlights in this in this summer league that are going to just go viral um and so i think and, and the beauty of it is we're going to see him go against Cade cunningham and uh evan mobley and jalen suggs as well so um yeah I, I you know i i think overall i'm just ecstatic about the the situation that they're in with who they took yeah no i think uh future's bright and you know full steam ahead with the jalen green era so, you know, they, they Rockets had picks 23 and 24. We talked about that. And they wanted to trade up. I think by every measure, we expected if they were to trade up, there was going to cost them one, if not both, of those picks. Surprisingly, they add a fourth pick uh, and don't trade any of those picks. Um, and matter of fact, they acquire the 16th pick from Oklahoma City, sending out two first-round picks. And David, I, I will tell you, the fir- when that first report came out that said the Rockets traded two first-round picks to OKC for number 16, my heart sank. I had that Westbrook, Chris Paul trade feeling like you, you traded two firsts for, for one. Um, but you know what? I, I'm all on board with this. Those picks who knows when they were going to convey and they're heavily protected. Um, 
Well, Dave, you and I, you and I put together a, a ranking of all of the Rockets' future first-round picks about a month ago. Yeah. We both decided, we both ranked those two picks, the Detroit pick and the Washington pick, both of which were used to move up to 16 last night, um, as, as the two lowest in the pecking board. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the Detroit pick, I, I just didn't, as far as it being tradable, I mean, yes, it's got value. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I felt like the most value it could have had was in a trade to move up to get Cade, you know, or some sort of deal with Detroit because it could hang over their head, but, I, I'm I'm all on board with this move. Now, you know my reaction. When they traded up to 16, I, I, my eyes were on Jalen Johnson at the time. I thought, wow, that would be a great pick. Kai Jones was also there. And I haven't been a huge Kai Jones fan, um, but I, I was kind of on the fence with him. I recognize that he's extremely athletic, and I think he you know, could be good for the Rockets in some regards. But <laughs> they ended up taking a guy who, without a doubt, was on my top four list of guys I wanted to go ahead of the Rockets. And I kind of took him and Josh Giddy off the list because it was such a lock that they were, it, it appeared that they were going to go ahead of the Rockets at 23 and 24, that it was like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep wishing for this, but I admit that Alpert and Shangun, uh, you know, 19 year old Turkish center slash power forward um, was not a guy I was high on simply because of his player model as well. A guy I've, uh, you know, I don't want to compare him to Ennis Cantor, and I think that's a, that's a, an unfair comparison. But just the player type, the, the the similarities of just being a post player who can't defend very well in the league. That it's just it, it's not like it was 20 years ago. Something like that, I felt like has more of an impact. But I've softened on it some. So I, I think just in reading more about him, and especially looking at just some people that you really respect out there, um, ranking him such that you know they they look at him like he's a very very good bet to be a star in the league right i mean well first i gotta give you a big i told you so Dave, because even and you know these these uh, our conversations run together i can never remember when we have a offline conversation or we're, we're talking on a podcast but i remember when you were first coming up with your list of four or five people you wanted to see taken ahead of the rockets uh, I said, man, I take uh, Shingun off that list. I, I really like that guy. Um, and uh, yeah, you were, you were. Well, I remember we had a dis- disagreement. Yeah, well, I remember we had a disagreement about it because you were saying, well, if he's at 23, you know, you got to take him. And I'm like, I guess, but I, I felt like you take him to trade him, you know, like he, like. He would be the best value on the board for sure, but I wouldn't want him necessarily on my team long term. Now that he's actually on my team, I'm sort of in that uh, you know uh, negotiation phase or just acceptance. But actually, it's not acceptance. It's more uh, coming basically a better understanding, I think, of what he could be if some of those weaknesses that I view out of him could be overcome. I, I think three-point shooting with him will come in time. I'm not worried about it. His free throw shooting is, in, you know, in the over 81%. His shot's going to be there. He doesn't – he's not a volume – I think he's took less than one three-pointer a, a game. He just doesn't do it. It's not really in his arsenal. Um, and it's really defense that I'm, I think mainly is my concern. If he could – just be passable. If he's not a defensive liability, I think you've got something here that you can grow. And, and maybe he, you know, could really 
develop into the type of player the Rockets think he is. There's no question about his offensive post moves. I think those will translate. I think he's very quick, excellent footwork. Um, the post moves are super impressive. His passing is impressive. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's kind of like you hear some of the, the Jokic comparisons and you hear some of the Cantor comparisons, and I definitely lean more on the Cantor side. Like, Ennis Cantor is a hell of a post player and a terrific rebounder. And he's kind of not an impact player in our game. I, you know, I pointed out in this article about how Harden would just hunt him out in that, in the 2017 playoffs, you know, leading to a, the, the can't play canter line. And I'm just hoping he's not that, that he, you know, I, early on, that's, that may be the case, but just can he be passable in defensively in a team concept? And if he can, then the Rockets may have something here. Yeah, so, you know, to touch on some of those points, Dave, I, I would say I agree, yes, I think the shooting touches there where, you know, he can dominate the Turkish League from the post, which, again, let's let's reiterate once again, as an 18-year-old, he won the MVP of one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a little bit of a down year for the Turkish League, but – he was 18 years old. We're talking the only one you can put in that company is Luka Doncic. And I'm not saying he's going to be anywhere near because Luka Doncic, but you can't ignore that production. And then, yeah, the shooting, I think, is there. I think he's coming to the NBA where three-point shooting is much more valuable skill. I think he's going to work on that over time. Um, another player comp I would use for him is uh, – maybe uh, Nikola Vukovic, because, you know, unlike Kanter, Vukovic has three-point range. Um, but where I would also differentiate him is I think unlike Kanter and Vukovic, I think Shangun is a little more nimble, and I think he has the potential to be a better defender than those two. Agreed, he's never going to be a good, a really good defender, I don't think, but I think, I think he can be passable. And that those offensive skills are just so intriguing. Um, I, I, I like this kid before the draft. I didn't think he was going to be on the board. And you know, I, I'm not saying you know I'm not with like Hollinger had him number four on his board. Yeah, which Kevin is crazy. Pelton, Kevin Pelton, who did in keep in mind this is purely analytics, statistical based modeling. He has Shangu number one ahead of Cade Cunningham. Even though even Kevin Pelton will tell you he understands Shangun is not the best player in the draft, but the model had him number one. Um, but even with all that, um, you know, I, I I will say that I preferred Moses Moody, I preferred Corey Kispert a little bit, and when those two were off the board at fourteen and fifteen, Shangun I thought was clearly the best player available, so I was glad. And I think Rafael Stone even said, I think he said after Shangun there was a real drop-off. And to go out and get that guy before there was a drop-off in talent, you got to credit the Rockets front office. You know, and I, I think also it made me kind of uh, question my thinking a little bit because, you know, you mentioned the two guys that were my favorite trade-up targets um, in those two, in Moses Moody and Corey Kispert. And I'm not uh, – I, I still would love to have those guys, but – they are role players around what you're, you have. So I couldn't help but say to myself, okay, well, now the Rockets are starting to get some, you know, they get Jalen Green, they have KPJ. Um, 
you know, now you, you could add role players. And I think it, it, it's a tendency to lean a little bit towards fit. I mean, what did Vucevic just reel in? Two or three first-round picks in a trade, and, and he was extremely productive with Orlando. I mean, the Rockets are simply stockpiling talent, and they took the guy that they felt had the most star potential. You know, it was a pretty powerful quote from Stone. You mentioned, um, you know, Shangun being the MVP of the Turkish League, and there's no question at 18 years old, that's extremely rare. And I think he did kind of a little bit come out of nowhere. He was an interesting prospect, but then he became like this great prospect um, after this one season. Um, But he said, you guys can do the research on people who have had that level of success at a high level of pro pro basketball. He says, it's a short list and a good one. Um, And I think that, that resonated. Because he couldn't say Luka Doncic by name. (laughs) Right, right. But I, I think, um, you know, it, it definitely, um, you know, even if he's not, you know, I think I can't help by what I'm saying is say to myself, okay, now you've got uh, Shangun and you've got Christian Wood and you've got Garuba and, of course, your backcourt and Tate, and you're starting to try to piece together this team. And, you know, by the time the Rockets are a championship contender, you know, knock on wood that it gets to that point, some of these guys won't be here. I mean, I, it, you know, it would be nice if it was just, you know, like like the Astros or the Texans. You simply just draft players and they all fit right in. And it could be that way. But I think it's, you know, you're you're developing guys and you're going to see what blossoms. You're going to see what flowers come about and, um, you know, trade trade players to bring in what you need at that point. But they simply acquired they simply excuse me drafted the guy they felt had the most the most upside and the best chance to be a special player and so i can't fault him for it like i said i didn't like the model that shingun um was for the modern nba i'm still thinking three and d and he's neither um but you know he what he does he does extremely well and there's reason to think he may be he may get better at such a young age uh, in those other areas. Well, speaking of D, Dave, um, I think, you know, relative to draft position, I think you and I both were the most excited with the player the Rockets got at number 23, Usman Garuda. Oh, yeah. This pumps all around at the draft party. I mean, you know, we had our best available. And, and for me, it was Garuba and Jaden Springer, Tennessee point guard. You know, we were just watching those picks go, uh, and Garuba was still on the board. I, I mean, it was just one of those things where I'm like, it's got to be Garuba, and it was. And I love that pick. I mean, David, I just I love it because I I like seeing defensive players. I, I just I do guys who play elite level of defense. Uh, to me, it's just special. I mean, I, I get a kick out of watching people on Twitter you know, talk about how PJ Tucker is trash or is washed or is, you know, had two points in the box score, but people who know, who watch, they see the impact a guy like that has. And Usman Garuba has the potential to be a supercharged, super big PJ Tucker type of player. I mean, he's, he's got the, the defensive instincts, the basketball IQ, the footwork, um, defensively. I mean, you know, Stone said it himself. He's, you know, outside of the NBA, he's the best defensive player in the world. Um, and now he's going to take those talents to the NBA. I think he's battle tested at that age. Um, he's he's played some big games. And I think he's 
even better for the Rockets. Again, I'm gonna I don't want to lean towards fit, but now you've got Christian Wood, you've got Shangoon, you've got two post players, two players who can score in the post. Um, I mean, I know Wood can can take it, can stretch the floor, and is actually quite good at it. But those guys are more scoring centers or or forwards. Now you can put someone next to him who's you know a top defensive player uh, and and fill a bunch of needs. So. I love this. I think he's a good small ball center. I think he fits well with with the offensive guys that the Rockets have currently in uh, you know bigs that they have. Um, great pick. I'm just super thrilled with it. Yeah, no, me too. It's you know we we were joking with the, the picks leading up that you know we we had the guys we wanted and you and I both had Garuba right there at the top of the list and just saying oh. You know, I really hope they don't take player X or you just know they're going to pass on someone and take a guy we don't like. And when the pick came in and it was exactly who we wanted, we were just so thrilled. And, yeah, I think Garuba has a chance to be a special role player. Um, you know, he's been working on a shot a little bit. I think he's shown initial hints at a three-point shot. You know, he's nowhere close. Like, this is not a guy who's going to score a lot uh, – and his, you know, people are going to sag off him the first couple of years of his career. But if he can develop even a quasi-respectable jumper uh, that he can take out the three, he's going to be special. Like we just saw uh, Matisse Thybul, who was a bench player for the Sixers, who can't shoot a lick, made second team all, made second team all defense. Um, just coming off the bench playing like 20, 25 minutes. I think that's the kind of player you can get with Garuba even early on. And he's like five years younger than five. Um, but he has potential to grow into all NBA, all defensive player. Uh, I mean, I, I hope the shot comes around a little bit, but man, you know how much I love defense and rebounding and boxing out. And he's that kind of guy. He's, he's the new PJ. And I, He's going to be one of my favorite rides. Yeah. So you're thinking somewhere between like Draymond Green and Joey Dorsey, right? Somewhere in that range. That's a, that's a very wide range. <laughs> um, you know, he his three point range is, is not there now. They've said that he has shown some flashes of it. I think he's in at least in his volume, it's it's increased. I think he the last um, this past season, he I think he's gone from about a half of an attempt a game to one to two attempts a game. He's around 30%, 30-31% from three. Uh, his free throw percentage is not really great. I think his career, 59.8%. Um, he's had seasons where he's, I think, shot uh, closer to 70%, but for his career, a little under 60%. So he has some development to do. But I think for a guy like Garuba, as good as he is defensively, you just need him to be that P.J. Tucker spot up in the corner kind of guy. Just be able to space the floor on that end. Um, and I, I love that he loves to get out and run. I think in transition on you know setting screens, rolls, alley-oops, um, he's going to work really well with K.P.J. and, and, and Green. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just in lo- I'm in love with the pick. I, I, to, to me, it was it's the exact kind of move you want to make. And they, you know, it was – the um, pick they got from Portland. So it really made it overall that Christian Wood trade turned out to be, uh, um, excuse me, the uh, Robert Covington trade turned out to be Christian Wood, KJ Martin and Garuba that they got. And then 
that Detroit pick they also got back, which they combined with the Washington pick for Shangoon. So uh, they've gotten quite a draft haul uh, for some of the assets that they that the Rockets had after the the 2019-20 season. No, I, I, absolutely, Dave. The, the uh, you know another player comp I might use, and, and this might not be a fair comp, but you know another foreign raw young big with high defensive potential, and at the time the potential for a jump shot that eventually really came around, Serge Ibaka. Now I know you know Garuba is from Spain, Ibaka is from Africa, but. But, you know, I think the, 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 the skill set there is somewhat comparable. Yeah, it's an interesting comparison. I hadn't heard that one for um, him. But, I, yeah, I mean, like I said, defensively. And it's just, you know, I think. I don't think Ibaka had a great jumper coming out uh, when he was drafted. And he really developed a good, a good shot. Yeah. I, I think, you know, like I said, I'm, I was perfectly fine with the, the – um, Jalen Green over Evan Mobley pick, but I do I did feel like Evan Mobley, you know, was sort of that defensive guy, a potential defensive player of the year type of player, um, and I hate losing that a little bit in the sense of that somebody on this team is going to bring the energy defensively every night. The Rockets have a lot of flash, but they need they need some defense. I mean, Jay Sean Tate is is kind of the guy, and then beyond that, it's you know, I mean. K.J. Martin can can block some shots, hasn't really proven that he's a, necessarily a great defensive player. Um, so, uh, but no, no love for John Wall and Aaron Gordon? <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, there's no question those guys are solid defensive players, but we're, we're, we're building a, you know, a future here, and so I don't really look at them uh, in that way. But, uh, you know, to me, they, they've added something here that's a significant defensive piece, so I'm excited about that. And, and, but before we get to the next pick, I do want to say, you know, we going back to our, our rankings of future draft picks uh, that we did a month ago, we had uh, 23 and 24 right towards the bottom, just above the two picks that, that, that the Rockets traded for Shingun. And I got to tell you, they, they turned three of those bottom four picks into – I'd boost those. I'd boost Shangun and Garuba way up the list. I think other than obviously Green and the Rockets' own picks the next two years, I put Shangun and Garuba both over any of the rest of their future picks. So let me let me throw this at you. A year from now, do you think Usman Garuba is the type of guy the Rockets could throw on Luca, throw on Zion? Well, Zion, I would say maybe yeah, but. Uh, I mean, he's obviously got the the strength and the bulk to go up against those kind of guys who are, uh, you know, jumbo players for uh, for their positions. But do you think he could hang with with somebody like Luca? Eventually, yes. Now you, you you have the the issue of who who's guarding the other four players on the Mavericks. Um, that Luca's a, a you know a matchup nightmare. But if you're talking about just that particular one-on-one matchup, I mean, he's got as good a shot as any. Yeah. You know, there was never any regret on the Ben Simmons thing necessarily. I think, you know, when, when James Harden was on the block, that's who I wanted initially. Um, but that was, that was the one thing I thought Ben Simmons would be great. Is you're in that division, you're facing Zion, you're facing Luka, 
be nice to have somebody like Ben Simmons just to throw up against those guys. We know all the flaws of Ben Simmons, so I'm not trying to get into that. It would be nice if the Rockets had you know, a guy they could at least put up against them. I mean, when they, when they were contenders, you, you threw a reason, P.J. Tucker, at, at some of the flamethrowers around the league. So um, I'm hoping Garuba can be that kind of guy. There's no question he's that, I think, in the post. And, it, and it's clear to me that he can hang with guards. I just don't know if you can – you can do that for for a full game. I think he's going to have some foul trouble for a while as well. I mean, I think he's he's so high energy. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Patrick Beverly as a power forward, uh, and and people can debate how good of a defender Beverly actually is. But I I've, I've always felt his motor and his tenacity was his greatest strength, and that's kind of the way it is with Garuba. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see at least without some substantial development, I don't see Garuba as a starter. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to be proven wrong. I mean, if he develops a three-point shot and stays out of foul trouble, then then yeah, he could be a starter. But you know, at least for the first couple of years of his career, I mean, he's clearly a bench guy. You know, not just because of the lack of a jumper, but also like you said, he's too. He's probably going to be too foul prone to. You know, he's going to get two two fouls in the first five minutes and be sitting on the bench the rest of the half. I mean, I kind of want to see if they bring him over this year. I mean, I get, you, you and I mentioned this, or I mentioned it to you uh, on draft night. You thought, yeah, I think they're going to bring him this year. I, 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 I assume so, but I just felt like, do you stash him for another year? He's got the buyout issue, and you know, I, 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 we can talk about that as well. But I, it's interesting to me, Jonathan Gavoni, somebody who I, I really respect as far as the draft. Really, he wrote an article afterwards, and he was so high in Shingun. He felt like Shingun could play 25, 30 minutes a night for the Rockets this season and could be a Rookie of the Year candidate. And I made me wonder about what the power forward position is for the Rockets this season. You know, I mean, you're going to be running Christian Wood, and I think the hope is that this could be an all-star type of season for him. Um, whether you think that's he's your long-term center or you think he's, um, you know, potential trade bait, that's great news regardless. Um, but who's your power forward? I mean, I, I think if, if, if I were to, to make a bet on who the starting front court for the the, the, two, the two big spots of the Rockets, I'd probably say Christian Wood, and then maybe they'd bring back Kelly Olenek, and you have Shingun and Garuba both coming off the bench. But, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past the Rockets to start Wood and Shingun as interchangeable four fives. You know, I think that if they're going to, if they're planning to do that, they better lock Shingun in a gym and have him shoot jumpers nonstop between now and the start of the regular season. But. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, how important is winning this season? I mean, obviously they want it all. Yeah, that, that's just it. Like they're in such a beautiful situation, David. And I, we're going to talk about these prospects, but I can't help but look at the, the, the just the roadmap. I mean, the fact that they have two years now where they could just play and grow prospects and develop before they have to play a third season and that season actually matters for the you know their pick is not coming to them unless it's a top four pick uh it's owed to okc from the russell westbrook trade but they have two years now where you know if they are terrible you know oh well i mean but they just need to continue to show progress and development with these prospects um and as you've mentioned before as well hopefully take back some salary that expires by 2023 in exchange for for additional draft picks and assets as well but um it's just you know what the roadmap is for this team you know that they're gonna the next couple of years is our development years if they make the playoffs wow they're way ahead of schedule in my opinion but 
there's these next two years um, are development years and and hopefully adding one or two more really good pieces in the draft and then you've got to make the playoffs you've got or you've got to be you know seeing the fruits of of all that you've done because you are back into debt here with your own picks well, well before we get too deep into into to long range planning he's got one more first round pick to talk about absolutely um, number 20 yeah, now for as high of the as the highs were for for us with the 23rd pick uh, there were some corresponding lows, again, in real real time reaction to who the Rockets took at 24. Uh, Josh Christopher, shooting guard from Arizona State. Um, and, you know, perhaps it's an unfair opinion to have, but I guess most of the mock drafts had Christopher as an early second round pick. And I think the fact that it, it was very well known that he's best friends with Jalen Green. There were some eyebrows raised, including ours, uh, about that being the pick at 24 when perhaps they could have traded into the second round to possibly get him. But you never know. You, you never know. Maybe he wouldn't have been there a couple picks later. But, um, Dave, what are your thoughts on Christopher? Well, you know, you mentioned about some people thought, um, you know, they, they took him for because he's buddies with Jalen Green. And how could they not think that? Because – you know, Monday when, you know, or in, in Tuesday when there was buzz about him being, you know, Jalen Green being in Houston and he was for a, a workout, so was Josh Christopher. And yet there were people saying, okay, are the Rockets going to take Green number two and then take Josh Christopher at 23 and 24 or, or 24, um, you know, and it's some sort of package deal or and. You know, maybe it's the cynical side of me having watched James Harden and, and loving James Harden and all the things that come with James Harden, but knowing also the, the silly stuff that you have to do, you know, signing Dwight Howard and, and then putting his his brother on the summer league team because, <laughs> you know, the, the little perks that you do. And and so I thought, man, are we have we already hopped right back into the boat of of uh, appeasing a star player? And somebody actually asked him, a media member actually asked Rafael Stone about that, like, you know, or not not in that way, but they did ask, you know, how, how much of a role was it in drafting Josh Christopher that he's, you know, friends with with Jalen Green and K.J. Martin as well. They're, they're all pretty close. And he just scoffed and said, nope, like no impact. Um, and, you know, hearing Stone talk about him, I mean, it gives me hope. I, I'm not super high on him, but it does give me hope. I mean, talks about him being, uh, having the potential of being a an outstanding one-on-one lockdown defender. I mean, that's in today's NBA extremely valuable. He has the body for it, and and actually Stone uh, talked about that as well. Compared his his frame and and his strength to like a Drew Holiday or an Eric Gordon. Uh, on the Rockets, and maybe he threw that in there just to up the the trade value. But um, you know, I mean, let, 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 let's you know, not to, to get us off track, but Eric Gordon's a hell of an all-ball defender. Oh yes, no question. I'm just saying he threw that in. You know, like don't get me wrong, Eric Gordon is really good. I just you, you don't often hear um, that type of you know Drew Holiday or Eric Gordon, and and he is. I mean, what he did against Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs, incredible. Um, and for some reason, this is the way it is for every time the Rockets put somebody on the trade block. Harden, Tucker, uh, now Gordon is, you know, people are looking at all the, the, you know, all the ways to trash him. But 
that's neither here nor there. Let me, as far as, you know, Christopher, um, you know, it's his three point shots, not there. He's very inconsistent in general with his shot, but it wasn't shooting that, that stone focused on. I mean, he was talking about his just incredible ability out in transition and just he's, his handles are really good. He gets out and runs dunks, um, and his defense, and I could see value there. I will say his charisma, his ability at the press conference to, to sort of, I don't know, maybe it's because he was next to Shangun who had a translator and Shangun was pretty mellow. And, and Jalen Green is very mellow. I mean, he's just like very laid back, very soft spoken, not as soft spoken as Mobley, but he, he is still rather soft spoken that maybe that accentuated how, you know, outgoing Josh Christopher is. But I think he has the potential to be a fan favorite. Um, he wasn't like, like I said. I mentioned Jaden Springer. That's who I would have picked. Uh, I like Springer's potential, but I mean, th- these are just opinions of of fans. I, you know, I know I trust the Rockets. They've got a whole team, a whole army of draft analysts and and uh, you know analytics gurus. And if they like Christopher, I'm at least curious. I'm open. But it it definitely was not a pick that I loved. And I think. The, the Rockets had nailed so many things that it was it wasn't like a huge letdown. It just was like you know not not my favorite pick, but when you look at the four picks overall, I mean, how can you not give the Rockets an A? Yeah, no, I, I agree. The you know again, I was a little bit of a letdown with Christopher, but I'm willing to you know I'll happily eat crow if I if Christopher turns out to be a, a good defender and. Uh, you know, transition playmaker. Uh, again, yeah, I would love to see the shot come around. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he's definitely talented. It's not like this is a guy who wasn't going to get drafted or was even going to be a late second round pick. I mean, this was, you know, he's one of the, the top 15 prospects coming out of high school. So, you know, he's definitely got pedigree. Um, this isn't just, you know, this isn't just Jack Haley sitting on the bench next to Rodman because he's Rodman's buddy. Um, you know, this is, this is a talented young guy. Yeah, and, no, no you know, question. Yeah, so, so you know, I, I, I definitely think he's a core piece, just not not quite as core as some of the, some of the other guys. And and they definitely need a perimeter defender because, you know, like you said, we're, when you're talking about the, the good defend, perimeter defenders on the team, you're talking John Wall and Eric Gordon, and those guys aren't going to be on the team two years from now. Um, and, you know... Unless he undergoes a drastic overhaul, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., you know, right now is just one of the worst defenders in the league. Uh, and Jalen Green, I think it's going to, you know, I- I'm hoping some defense develops for him, but, you know, he'll probably be more offense than defense in his career. So you'd love to get, you know, one of those dogs, like a, like you said, like a Patrick Beverly type that'll just hound the opposing guards on defense. And if that's Josh Christopher, then, then they made a smart pick. Yeah, so, but... but yeah. Uh, let's hope he has that in him. I, and you mentioned him as being a top guy. Yeah, I think he was, if I'm not mistaken, 11th uh, in the ESPN 100. And he was, you know, in sort of that grouping with like Isaiah Todd, BJ Boston, and I was going to say Zaire Williams before he ended up going 10th, um, as guys who were very highly ranked coming out of high school and maybe had disappointing, uh, you know, first seasons in college or in Todd's case in the G League and fell on the board. And sometimes that's an indicator of 
you know, a bad situation, a bad fit somewhere, and you, you can scoop up a talent that uh, you see differently than, in this case, the way Arizona State played him. Um, I, you know, he still, he seems ball dominant to me, which I don't necessarily love. I, I'd like to see him be able to play more off the ball, be a, a, a you know, a guy who's a knockdown shooter along with being that defensive potential. I, I think for him, it's just going to have to be putting it together. He's going to, they talk really about consistency for him. I don't see him as a great passer. I think he averaged two, fewer than two assists a game, uh, more turnovers than assists, which isn't outrageous considering he really is a, a two guard um, in a play in a, a creating type of two guard in the sense that he's trying to create offense for himself. Um, but you know, I'm I'm willing to give the Rockets the benefit of the doubt. They did so well in the draft, um, and they've got the right you know, you know personnel now in their in their front office that I feel like I give them the benefit of the doubt. If they really liked him, let's see what let's see what happens. Just wasn't the pick I would have made if it was me. Right, and, but but like you said, overall with this draft class, you know, I'm with you. I, I give the Rockets an A. Um, and but before we move on from from the the draft draft prospects, the, the, the players the Rockets took out of this draft. Um, you know, Woj just reported a little while ago that the Rockets are signing um, Duke forward uh, Matthew Hurt to a two-way contract. And i got to tell you, before the draft, you know, Matthew Hurt was on my short list of if the Rockets can sign some players, some of the top undrafted guys to – to uh, two-way contracts, I, I'd like them to sign Matthew Hurt. I think, you know, he had a chance to go in the late second round. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Again, like, even, you know, we're, we're, we're a little down on Josh Christopher. I don't have Matthew Hurt nearly as high as I do Josh Christopher. Uh, so let's keep this in perspective. This is as a two-way contract signing. I really like Matthew Hurt. He's kind of, and, and, and our listeners should not laugh at this, He's kind of a poor man's Ryan Anderson. And let's remember, <laughs> yes. the, first, the first year and a half with the Rockets, Ryan Anderson was a really good player. And, you know, if you're getting a guy who counts zero dollars against the salary cap, who can give you a fraction of what, you know, 2016 Ryan Anderson gave you, that's a really positive thing. Absolutely agree. It, not, it doesn't hurt at all to bring him in and let's see what he, let's see what he can do. Um, I'm good with the signing. I, you know, he, as you mentioned, really good three-point shooter, shot over 44% as a sophomore, and also two years ago was uh, a top prospect coming out of high school. I think he was number 11 overall in the ESPN 100. So, uh, I mean, undrafted, you know, free agent, you pick him up on a two-way contract. I, I not, there's nothing but upside here. So it's not, it's not, not going to hurt the Rockets. There was no real risk involved. So. I like the move. Um, and, you know, I have to give a shout-out as well, I, in my personal opinion, to the Spurs, because I don't think Garuba falls to the Rockets if they don't t- – if, you know, Primo doesn't go number 12. Joshua Primo going 12 was, in my opinion, the linchpin to all of this working because the two guys I really needed to see go ahead, and, and they were the guys that I looked at every single draft, and I'm like, where is Sharif Cooper going? Where is Cam Thomas going? And every draft that I saw Cooper and Thomas go, um, you know, by pick 22 before the Rockets at 23, I was just loving the options that the Rockets had at 23. And in the actual draft, neither one of those guys went before the Rockets. 
and it was Primo that sort of bailed him, the Rockets out. Um, so tip of the cap, in my opinion, to the Spurs. I mean, who knows? Primo may be great for them. So, and you know, you know, great, good for I, them. I totally but, thought they were going to take Shane Unit as well. So, yeah, yeah, he he was a San Antonio that. Spur type of player, right? I mean, fits the yeah. mold perfectly. Yeah, no, they, they did us a big favor. Yeah, and Zaire Williams going 10 to Memphis. That was a huge shock to me, given that the price they paid to get up to 10, and most felt like Zaire could, you know, maybe he would slide to 14 or 15, but, I mean, they thought he could be there at 17. I, we thought there was a chance he'd be there at 23. So, again, mock drafts and, and reading up on mock drafts is totally different than what the – what NBA teams know and the intel that they gather on what on prospects and, and uh, you know, what teams are going to do. So maybe they knew that Zaire Williams wasn't going to slide to 17 and they just loved the guy, but it's, it still shocked me. I mean, I'm sure that they had probably had Giddy in mind. And of course, OKC started the whole craziness by taking Giddy number six. Um, but that, that six, 10 and 12 was a, a fascinating part of this draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Shingun may be the best international prospect to come out of this draft over Giddy. So I hope you're right. I I I mean, no pun intended that I am Giddy in saying OKC went into this draft thinking they had a legit chance at Cunningham and Kaminga or maybe even Barnes at five, um, and they walk away with Josh Giddy and I think Trey Mann. Eek, I OKC just took L's from June to July, like you wouldn't believe. Uh, and I'm here for it because that, <laughs> honestly that, uh, that hung over the Rockets, you know, all season long of, you know, every loss it was, it was like, okay, I could get behind this if I knew the Rockets had, you know, we're going to actually get to keep their pick. And that hung over the Rockets all year. And I know OKC fans absolutely were hoping for that pick could not have gone any better. And it was nothing but a coin toss so um, just extremely good fortune because we could be sitting in this uh, chair right now talking about, you know, Trey Mann as, you know, the, the, the main pick in this draft for the Rockets. Yeah, no, they, they dodged a bullet and we're going to have a break for, for a couple of years from the OKC fans, you know, uh, twiddling their, their fingers at every Rockets loss. But, uh, you know, back to your point from earlier about, you know the the blueprint going forward and the the lack of need to prioritize winning right now. I, I think that we're fortunate to have this window where we're not under the shadow of the of the Westbrook trade for right now, and the Rockets can develop their young guys, take their lumps. They, they need to be doing everything they can to develop all their young players and. If it means they have another terrible losing season and they end up with one of the three or four worst records in the league, so be it. I mean, I think barring some significant trades, I think they're actually going to be better than a lot of people think. Um, if I had to, if I had to ballpark it, I, again, this is so early free agency, but if I had to ballpark it, you know, I think they're, they're going to pick like probably in the seven to ten range. If they have a healthy John Wall, a healthy Eric Gordon, a healthy Christian Wood. Um, I think there's there's enough talent there. They're going to rack up some extra wins. I mean, they're not a playoff team, I don't think. Um, but 
you know, hey, if they ended up with one of the worst records and ended up with another top five pick for next year, you're not going to hear complaining from me. Yeah, and I like the way you said it as far as not being under the shadow of that OKC deal. It's kind of like the Rockets can relax a little bit and and you know try to execute this master plan, which they're doing very well so far. Um, and it's going to be beautiful, David, when they get to that 2023 offseason and they make all kinds of win-now moves. And it's just going to be like, okay, you know, OKC is going to be like, great, now we're getting the 23rd, 24th pick, um, which, hey, it's still it's, it's – you know, tip of the cap to them for for pulling off an excellent trade but it's definitely looking better for the rockets um anything but you know hey, Jordan, you, you thought that the the westbrook trade was a good trade for oklahoma city i thought she loved it for the Rockets. do not get me started just don't <laughs> that's tough i mean I, I mean years of therapy um so uh anything before the draft or anything we want to mention about the draft for, you know, just kind of closing out with free agency and trades, uh, other than the fact that, you know, Daryl Morey did come away with Jaden Springer, which I absolutely am ecstatic about. Um, but uh, anything you want to mention about the draft? No, I mean, I, I think we pretty much covered all the Rockets picks. You know, I like Daryl's draft, but, uh, you know, he's not our GM anymore. So, Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's just more fitting. Like the guy I want, it goes to Daryl. It's like, okay, great. Um, so now we get into, you know, you mentioned John Wall, Eric Gordon, Daniel. I don't know if you mentioned Daniel House, but those are the three vets that the Rockets have. And two of them are on contracts that are eh, different degrees of painful, let's say. Um, but we can include DJ Augustine there as well. It, True. I think what is he about? A little over seven million for one. This is an expiring year. Uh, yeah, it's well, sort of. He's seven million this year, and he's got a very small amount guaranteed for partially guaranteed for next year. But they'll almost assuredly, whichever team he's on, will almost assuredly waive him and eat the very small amount. Gotcha. Okay. So where do they go with trades? I mean, I think for somebody like Augustine, you're thinking. Trade Augustine for somebody who's got two years left and pick up a first round pick, right? That that makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Jordan with really Brooklyn. Think, like, whether it's Augustine, whether it's Augustine or House or some combination of them, yeah, those are the types of trades I'd like to see them making, taking on, using expiring salary to take on guys with two years left, or or even if it's a smaller trade and you're using X amount of salary. To, to take on more salary from another team, maybe it's a team that could use a Daniel House or could use a DJ Augustine and is trying to dump a guy that just doesn't fit in their rotation. He's just dead weight on their salary cap. Um, and if you could move $7 million for $10 million or use one of your trade exceptions and take a $9 million player and a $5 million player and just eating salary for a second-round pick, for a first-round pick, you know, the the Rockets have their young core. If they have to use one or two roster spots for, for other teams' deadweight contracts in order to get other picks, well, then so be it. They should be in asset accumulation mode and young player development mode. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, so I would think Augustine would be would fit that type of a deal. Gordon is probably opposite. You're probably looking for salary relief, right? You're trying to capitalize on his win now talent balancing it with his pretty hefty salary which is i think under 20 million a year um and trying to find the right fit in getting back 
salary that doesn't go beyond this season, maybe max two seasons. Um, and then you've got John Wall, which is just, you would think, close to impossible to trade, but yet Russell Westbrook was just traded. So, it, you know, do the Rockets look at the Clippers, for example, and try to move John Wall? I'm sure, you know, easier said than done. But those are the questions that they're facing going into this offseason is, you know, we're rebuilding. Do we does it make sense to keep Eric Gordon and, and John Wall or do they need do these guys need to get on the floor initially to maybe make a trade happen? Yeah, but I think with Eric Gordon, man, there's just a lot of regrettable um, circumstances that you know, let's be clear. Eric Gordon is one of my favorite Rockets. I really like the way he plays. I wish the three pointer was a little higher percentage, but I love the way he plays. He's one of my favorite players. That said, he clearly doesn't fit with what the Rockets are trying to do right now, and he's basically blocking younger players from, from playing. But that groin injury last year, I think he was going to get traded last year, and then that groin injury just derailed that. And then, you know, two teams, two teams I thought that could have really used him. Uh, the Pacers, there was a lot of talk before the draft about the Rockets may be trading up to 13 using some of their later picks and, and Eric Gordon. But, you know, I think that ship sailed, especially since the Pacers took Chris Duarte, who kind of does a lot of what they would have wanted Gordon to do. He's basically um, a veteran in the draft. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's five years older than all the players that the Rockets drafted. Um, and, uh, and then another, another fit that I thought could have worked and up until a few hours ago was the Boston Celtics. So, uh, you know, Woj has been reporting that the Knicks were maybe going to make a big money offer to Evan Fournier in free agency, and that the Celtics have serious luxury tax concerns. And so if the price for Fournier was going to get too expensive, I thought Eric Gordon would have been a terrific fit for them. And part of the, the way they could have maybe done that uh, and extracted some assets from Boston would be if as part of that trade, they took Tristan Thompson's contract back. I think, especially now that the Celtics traded for Al Horford, uh, and, you know, they got Robert Tymore Williams, uh, who's uh, deserving of playing time. Thompson was just eating, uh, he was just dead money on their cap for next year. And I thought that if you could have eaten that money, and gotten rid of Gordon, and maybe you get a second-round pick out of it, or you could get a, a, one of the Celtics' young players like Aaron Smith. Um, that that would have been a good trade. But the Celtics just traded Tristan Thompson, uh, you know, a couple of hours before we recorded this podcast in a three-team trade. So, so that you know, the Celtics might be off the table as well. Um, so, you know, at, right now I don't see a Gordon trade that that works for both teams at least not none that i can think of right now i'm sure the rockets probably have half a dozen i I think uh you know if you're not going to trade john wall or if it's just next to impossible to trade john wall i think the clippers for gordon is a is a good possibility yeah yeah possibly especially with paul i expected to miss a good jump next year but um again if you look at what the, the clippers clippers quietly had a really good draft you know they came out of there with three guards um, did they get Keon Johnson or who they did they got Keon Johnson? Yeah. They got uh, Jason Preston yeah. and they got BJ Boston. Uh, Boston's going to be probably a two-way deal or something. But you know, I have a feeling that that 
Johnson and Preston are going to are going to actually play for them next year. So they've bolstered that backward. So we'll see. You know, maybe a Patrick Beverly for Eric Gordon might make sense. Um, but if we're talking wall trade, like the Clippers seem to be like the only team that that at least that I can see that remotely might you might be able to work a John Wall trade there. But even then, I don't know if you're getting back any draft compensation. I think it's more you take take the the biggest value non-core Clipper pieces that adds up to enough salary, like Beverly, an injured Ibaka, and uh, maybe Luke in Luke Kennard's, you know, n- no longer very good contract. Um, it, it, you're looking at something like that for John Wall. Like, that, that, that's a that's a tough call. Like, I I really do think John Wall is a good leader, and I'd like to maybe see what he can teach the the young guards. Um, I know he's blocking KPJ, um, but you know, quite honestly, it's like I think it's nice to have someone in front of KPJ to incentivize him to play better defense if he wants to play major starter minutes, but that's just me. Deal for the Clippers. I don't think it's it's crazy. I mean, they, they're giving up two expirings, and then they're trading Canard. I mean, Canard, if I'm not mistaken, has three years left on his deal. Um, you're actually going longer than Wall, but of course, significant less annually. I think he's what 16 ish million a year. Um, I, to me, um, I, I don't think it's outrageous. I, I think you at least have to have that conversation. We'll we'll see what they. What they say, but I mean, their pick is owed to OKC. Their draft pick is. Um, they have no incentive to tank. You know, they're not getting a bonus by having you know uh, Kawhi out for a good chunk of the season if that if that's the case, and then you know just squeaking into the playoffs and see how things go and you get a pick. No, it's going to OKC. So, um, you know, and I can see Balmer being willing to spend money. So it it just it's not outrageous to me. If it's not Wall, I could see Gordon as you know being involved there and I wouldn't even mind if Keon Johnson was uh was discussed in that type of a trade. So uh, yeah, I I I wouldn't hold your breath on that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks. I mean obviously they did make a trade I believe to to get him. So I'm sure they targeted And him. I'm actually curious to see cuz the the Clippers traded up from 25 to 21. I'm curious if one of the main reasons they did that trade was they thought the Rockets were going to take Johnson. It, yeah, it, it's a very good point. Um yeah, I mean they 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 wanted to leapfrog somebody. Maybe it was twenty two, but but uh, yeah, they they definitely they felt there was a threat for Keon Johnson going. You know, they didn't think he was going to slide to twenty five. I'll put it that way. So, um, yeah. So, so, so Dave, we talked all this time about the draft, and we just talked a little bit about possible trades uh, for our existing players. And I'll just throw in that. You know, I think the Rockets ought to do everything they can this offseason to, to trade Daniel House for maybe a future second round pick or something. I, I do like House as a player, but think that he, he's just blocking some of the younger guys at this point and let him catch on with a better team. I think he can be a rotation piece for someone like a seventh man on a good team. Um, but you know, we've talked all this time and I'm sure we could go on for hours and hours about all the wonderful options the Rockets have in free agency that starts in a couple of days. <laughs> it's just it's or not none of that. There's just nothing. I mean, there's just not 
you know, they're at a stage where it doesn't make sense to to lock. I mean, the Rockets are not uh, a good situation. They're not, you know, money being equal, the Rockets are not going to win right now, um, and not many. Guys are going to want to sign one or two year deals. I mean, the Rockets, I think, are coming in at the tail end of, of free agency. Let's see what's left. Um, but I mean, just so our listeners are clear, you know, barring some major trade to clear cap room, the Rockets are going to operate over the cap this summer, uh, which means they're limited to the non taxpayer mid level, which is about nine and a half million. But uh, but that also means that there's a lot of other teams most or all of whom are better than the Rockets, that have the same non-taxpayer mid-level they can offer free agents. And if you're a free agent, why would you come to the team with the worst record in the league and a bunch of rookies they want to develop when you can go to a playoff team and get the same amount of money? Right. Unless it's, uh, you know, opportunity. You're looking for playing time and um, something along those lines. You know, Justice Winslow was a name at least I had had an eye on, but – you know, he has not exactly panned out. His three-point percentage is basically tanked and completely cratered. And, uh, you know, he's kind of regressed even as, even at the free-throw line some. I'm I'm interested in him. I mean, I, I think Winslow is intriguing because he's just so talented. Also, yeah. he's my alma mater high school here in Houston. Okay, um, nice. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm partial to him, but – He's only effective with the ball in his hands because he can't shoot. He's a great passer, but he can't shoot. And the Rockets already have a player like that in, in Kevin Porter Jr. And they just drafted a bunch of wings that also might need the ball in their hands. So I just think he's too duplicative of, of what they already have. So yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, the best free agent the Rockets can possibly sign, I think, this year is Kelly Olin. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I mean – one or two year deal though. That's it. I mean, uh, and and he's probably going to get better elsewhere. Well, I don't know about that. So, you know, some of the articles I've been reading, just previewing free agency, as great as Olenek played down the stretch last season, and he really did play well. Um, teams are not breaking the bank for non elite big men, and it's quite possible that. Olenek is just going to have a few non-taxpayer mid-level offers. Well, the Rockets can beat that comfortably on a short-term deal. They can give him significantly more per year if it's a one- or two-year deal. And and it might be in their best interest to, to do a big overpay on Olenek and just give him a ridiculous amount for next season and, uh, and, and maybe a team option or a non-guaranteed second season – uh, than for him to take a lot less per year on a multi-year deal somewhere else. I mean, he obviously was a great fit, was a good mentor for for Christian Wood and some of the other young players. So, you know, I personally would love to have him back uh, on a short-term deal again. Where, um, you know, and, and I'll do a quick plug. I wrote a soccer cap update for Clutch fans uh, that you guys can check out on the site. And I, I kind of preview each of the Rockets' own free agents, including Olenek and you know, I don't really have him at the top of the list as, as the guy that could bring back, but I, I would love to bring him back on a short-term deal, but it, it needs to end in 2023 because that's when Wall and Gordon come off the books and the Rockets could be primed for just a massive amount of capital, kind of like how the Knicks and the Spurs just have so much capital this summer. But we'll actually have a good team to offer. Other teams, but. 
uh, for you. I, I look at him and anyone else that they sign as – you know, first of all, as you, like you said, don't sign beyond twenty twenty three. But also, you know, could you flip those guys? You know, can, if you if you're signing Olenek, let's say you do sign him to a hefty one year deal, he's going to be able to impact a contending team. He's going to be able to play a role for somebody. He's a very smart, crafty player. Um, could you sign him? You know, you 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 have him running with Shangun and 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 basically helping mold him. But then you trade him at the at the deadline, that's what I'm looking at is the Rockets being able to use their salary spots to pick up assets. And it may, that may be signing guys and then trading them in, in the, at the deadline. Well, yeah. I mean, just like what you were saying with Augustine, they could do the exact same thing with a Linux, but you'd probably have more trade value as a valuable, you know, playoff piece. Uh, or, you know, heck, even if they did, they could possibly sign and trade them this summer. You know, maybe they, uh, there's a team which is not quite enough cap room or they want to, they want to add Olenek and another good player, but they only have one mid-level exception. So they want to do a trade for Olenek. Well, the Rockets have existing trade exceptions. They could trade, they could sign Olenek for, you know, 12, 12, 13 million, trade them for, you know, an $8 million player, absorb that player into the Oladipo trade exception and generate a brand new $13 million trade exception. There so you go. There's even incentives there for the sign and trade. There you go. I, that's that's the kind of thinking I'd like to see them do. Uh, and, I, and I know they're way advanced beyond me, but I'm saying that's what I'm hoping to see out of them. It's just smart moves at this point that aren't about you know fielding the best team on you know right this particular season, but long term um, and letting these young guys grow. Right, and, and I will say the key number right now, just post-draft, again, barring trades, and, you know, trades obviously change everything, but the Rockets have 13 guys under contract right now. If they bring back Olenek, that's 14. They can just go with 14 plus two two-way players and keep a roster spot open for trades. But right now, before they re-sign Olenek, they're about $25 million below the luxury tax threshold. And I think we both know Tillman Fertitta isn't going to pay him your tax. Not for this team, of course, yeah. No, not for this team. You can't blame him, right? I mean, it's not like it's on him. You know, I, I mean, I, I, for, for the record, I will say this, and it's an article too. Uh, I will say this in Tillman Fertitta's defense. I truly, truly, truly believe had the Harden-Westbrook experiment work, worked in 1920 and they brought back the team – I'm not saying he would have paid $50 million in tax, but I think he would have paid the tax uh, beyond that season. I think last season he would have paid the tax. He maybe would have paid some tax this year. Um, but the experiment didn't work. It blew it up, and there's no way in hell he is going to pay tax for Steve Norshidi. But that $25 million in room below the tax threshold, that's kind of the financial – wiggle room the Rockets have to work with here. And it's a lot of wiggle room. I mean, you're not giving Kelly Olenek $25 million, So even if you bring him back at an overpay, you still have wiggle room in there to bring on more salary and trades, use those trade exceptions to bring in contracts, trade out salary for more salary in return, use that $25 million to extract additional assets out of other teams. That's what the Rockets should be doing. You know, let's close on this. Um, the Russell Westbrook trade. What were your thoughts on that? Westbrook getting traded to the Lakers. Uh, 
I guess I'm not surprised because it's kind of a Lakers-ish move. Um, I do think Russell Westbrook is going to help the Lakers a lot in the regular season. You know, it's a grind, and they're so top-heavy with LeBron and AD being, you know, just so much of the talent there. There's a, just a huge talent drop-off after them. Um, combine that with the fact that Dennis Schroeder was going to really have the Lakers over a barrel and free agency and wanted just a drastic overpay from them because they were in the, you know, the bird rights trap where if, if he left, they couldn't replace him. So, you know, going out and getting, a, you know, let's be honest, Westbrook's a very good point guard. You know, he's not as good as, as you know, a few others, but um, I think he's going to help in the regular season. I'd be very curious to see how this works in the playoffs when it comes down to crunch time and uh, Russ does something with the ball that maybe LeBron did not want him to do with the ball. So uh, we'll see that, but I think it does help them for the regular season. Well, you're kinder than I was going <laughs> to say. I, you know, I think nobody does more that impacts winning less than Russell Westbrook to me. I mean, he is a force of nature. He can do some amazing things and he will impact a game when he's out there uh, in the sense that he'll put up all kinds of crazy numbers. But there's some real flaws there. I, I am stunned the Lakers made this deal with what most of us perceive to be Buddy Heald on the table for the, more or less the same package. And Buddy Heald has his own flaws, but the guy is a lights-out shooter. Would have been terrific, in my opinion, over or, or around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Maybe LeBron's so special that he can make it work with Westbrook, but I think Westbrook is just such a a vacuum, just so uh, commanding as far as the ball and everything. He's not a guy you can play off the ball, in my opinion. Not a guy you want spacing the floor. I think the Lakers are going to have problems. I don't think they're winning the title this year with Westbrook. Um, possibly not, but I will say this in, in Westbrook's defense. Um, I think the stat on him, when he gets triple doubles, his teams win the vast majority of the game. So it's not like empty stats, bad team when he's putting up those triple doubles. His team win at a very high clip when he puts up those triple doubles. So it could just be that he's, he's performing at such a high volume, such a high usage rate, they're going to be more knucklehead plays just out of sheer volume. So, you know, but again, when the game slows down in the playoffs, it becomes more of a half-court game. And especially if Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center, and you have Russell Westbrook and a center out there, it's just going to kill their spacing. It's the same reason the Rockets traded Quinn Capella. Um, you know, Davis better commit to being a full-time yeah. center if they're he going to go with Westbrook. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it as well. I, I If they're going to you know, come out there with a JaVale McGee type like they have in the past, um, it's not going to work. Um We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, like I said, maybe the Lakers have the magic formula and they can they can make it work. And I know it would be awesome for Westbrook. They have LeBron, so. Right. But I tell you, you know, watching them on Twitter, Westbrook fans and Laker fans, if this doesn't go well, I mean, Twitter just might implode. I'll, I'll put it that way. So, um, maybe you got Jeremy Lin. <laughs> right. We've seen something like that before. 
David, thanks for doing this, man. That was, and, and thanks for the uh, a great time at the draft party. Uh, always fun every single year. And, um, you know, this year it was catered by uh, Landry's Grotto. It was just absolutely outstanding uh, food. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much to the Rockets and Landry's for uh, helping out a group of diehard Rockets fans. We very much appreciate your support and uh, everything was wonderful. Yeah, food was outstanding, and it was it was a, a great time. Very generous of them to out, out of the blue offer that. So um, thank you, man. Uh, just a thrilling draft overall for the Rockets. I mean, we can we can just rave about it all day, but they got to go out there on the floor and, and prove that these guys are worthy of it. Um, and that will start here as we enter August uh, with Vegas Summer League. David, thanks again for doing this, and we'll do it again soon. I'll bring Shangoon, baby.